0: Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Shishko, inviting you to tune in to a visit to the Pastor's Study every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. here on WLIE Radio. We bring biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you, and we invite you to visit the Pastor's Study by calling in with your questions. Our time will be lively, useful, sometimes controversial, but never dull. Join us this Saturday at 12 noon for a visit to the Pastor's Study because everyone needs a pastor.
1: This is Dorina
0: Barksdale with Maxima Castro. We invite you to be with us every Saturday at 1 30 p.m. on Destiny Calls. Every Saturday at 1 30 p.m. on 540
1: W-L-I-E. Destiny Calls. Download our free WLIE 540 AM app and get all the information you need right on your smartphone. Find our app at WLIE540AM.com or visit the app store right from your phone. Our way of saying thanks for listening to WLIE 540 AM. You're listening to WBWD 540 AM, Islip, New York, a part of Universal Stations, LLC. The views, opinions, and statements expressed in the following program reflect the views of program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views of WLIE Radio, its management, or its sponsors. For questions and comments, please send us an email at wlie 540 radio at AOL.com or visit us at WLIE540AM.com. Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. And
0: this is... Pastor Bill Shishko here with you for our monthly open forum. This is your opportunity to be part of the program by either calling in live, 631-955-5400. That's 631-955-5400. If you want to be live on the program with your question or interaction, or if you'd like to text questions, which seems to be what most like to do, 516 367 0391 for your text questions 516- three six seven zero three nine one and the way that works is this if we don't get to your text question this week we put them in a file we collate them and in future open forums and we'll be having a lot of them we'll start dealing with your questions then and we'll always let you know in advance when your question is going to be dealt with on a visit to the pastor's study today we have a full session in the pastor's study with another pastor richard gerber pastor of harvest orthodox presbyterian church in east Adam, Connecticut, with 46 years of experience as a pastor and a man who has been a pastor to my wife and me for many years, and he and I together are going to deal with a question from a very troubled professing Christian. Uh, here's his question. This is a listener in the Midwest. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior at age 17. I lost my virginity to an older woman and then later on got married in my middle 30s. She died six years ago. Got online dating and was taken for $8,000. Got into pornography. Can't seem to kick it. My question is this, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. Am I lost without redemption according to this in the Bible? And my second question, and actually has a third, when does God blot you out of the book of life? And his other question, when does blasphemy against the Holy Spirit occur? Questions from a troubled professing Christian, um, Pastor Gerber, welcome today. Good to have you with us as my co-pastor here in a full session of a visit to the pastor's study.
2: Thank you, Pastor Bill. Good to be with you today.
0: Well, we're going to interact on these together. Let me take. Let me. We're going to break down this professing Christian's question. Uh, let me start with this one. He, he says, "I accepted Jesus Christ." as my savior at age 17 so let's deal with that first because really what we're going to be dealing with in the minutes ahead is what i'm calling some hard questions about sin grace and salvation i accepted jesus christ as my savior at age 17 now we need to be very careful with expressions like this and they're very common ones i let jesus into my heart or I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, that really is not biblical language. Here is some biblical language about salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And let's unpack those words. We slide over them very quickly. Lord means he's king, he's your master, he is your sovereign. He is Jesus. This is the name of Jesus as to his, of, of, of the God-man as to his humanity. You will call his name Jesus, uh, which means Joshua. He's the Joshua of the Old Testament fulfilled. He will save his people from their sins, and Christ He's the Messiah. He is the anointed one, which is what Christ means, or Christos. He's the anointed prophet and priest and king that is prefigured in the Old Testament. And believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is not just accepting him at a certain point and staying there. It's always believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, like the earth always revolving around the sun or the moon always around the earth, and then language, repent and believe the gospel, always turning from sin. And Martin Luther, the, the father of the Protestant Reformation, began his 95 theses that were tacked on the door of, of, of the church door at Wittenberg by saying the whole of the Christian life is repentance. We're always turning from sin. And... Believe the gospel means always believing the good news, living out of it as we live out of the air that we breathe. So we're saved in a moment. There's no doubt about that. There's a point where God changes our hearts and we receive and rest upon Jesus Christ as he's freely offered in the gospel. He's our new master. We trust in him alone. And then there's evidence of that, the evidence is we become disciples, we become followers of Jesus. So you see, many, many, many people are deceived by equating a decision for Jesus with everlasting life. Uh, The issue is, are you believing in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior right now? And what does that mean? Um, Pastor Dick Gerber, things you'd like to add to that?
2: Yes, you you know, the Apostle Paul in Romans 10, verse 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved so it's a it is a constant calling on Christ for salvation resting in him repenting of our sin just as you've been saying
0: right so they, let's let's keep that in mind that is that is a constant resting on the Lord Jesus so so um regardless if i could put it this way of some decision you made for Jesus in the past the point is are you believing on the Lord Jesus Christ right now now let's go to the second uh, part of this professing troubled professing Christian's question. Um, he says, and, and Pastor Gerber, I'm going to turn this over to you, he got into pornography. Let, let's talk a little bit about really what is bondage to, to, to pornography. We'll let you talk from this point, Pastor Gerber.
2: All right. Yeah, it is indeed a bondage. You know, people... I think sometimes think of it as an innocent thing when they begin, you know, as if it's sort of a harmless voyeurism, but it really is a bondage, a bondage to a sin that seems to really get a hold on on people. I think part of the reason for that is we are not willing to say what the Bible says. You know, the, the Bible tells us very clearly that the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. You know our bodies are not something unrelated you know, to our walk with Christ. They're very much a part of it. And and the Apostle Paul there in Second Corinthians chapter six goes on to talk about the immorality you know that we we get involved with, whether it's prostitution or whether it's you know prostitution in our mind, you know, sex, uh, you know, sexual uh, deviance, and, and that kind of way. And Paul's counsel is we need to flee from sexual immorality. You know, so often I believe people think they can dabble in it, it's harmless, it's not going to really affect them, but but it puts them in a place where sin, uh, especially the sexual sin, really uh, puts them in shackles, and they, they can't seem to break free.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is a bondage when the, when the Apostle Paul says that whoever commits sin—and notice the language that's here. Uh, it, it doesn't say whoever committed sin, which is true of all of us, but whoever commits sin is a, is in bondage to sin, is a slave to sin. And so so the Bible really does speak in, in, in terms of our of our present state of life. Let, let me add, and I want to go back to, to Pastor Gerber in, in a moment because this is a massive topic— and I know it's not the primary topic uh, that our, our troubled professing Christian asked, uh, but, but it, it leads into what what is the, the question vexing him. But uh, pornography is something that's an issue for so, so many men, but it's also true for a growing number of women. And in our archives of A Visit to the Pastor's Study, which you can get through sermonaudio.com, or you can get through our own website, www.visitthepastorstudy.org, all one word. There was an interview with Jamie Dean of World Magazine called The Perils, plural, of pornography, and we dealt with the issue of pornography for both men and women. But but Pastor Gerber, you've been a, a pastor for many, many years someone comes, and we're imagining now that our our, our listener from the Midwest is right with us here, what is the pastoral counsel that you give to those who are in bondage to pornography, or for that matter, any other life-dominating sin, whether it be alcohol or drugs or even consumption of material goods?
2: I I think a key point is accountability. Um, Pornography, especially, is something people are usually engaged in and In secret and private, Uh, and, you know, it's so without accountability, it's so easy to get sucked back into it, to think that it's not hurting me, it's not hurting anyone else, Uh, this isn't uh, really affecting my relationship with the Lord, but it is, and so we need to be accountable to other people. We need to find, you know, this man needs to find another man, uh, maybe an elder, maybe a pastor in his church um you know and and be willing you know to really be totally open and honest with him uh not you know talking in vague you know roundabout kind of ways but admitting you know that he's really addicted to pornography uh being willing to be open about the circumstances in which that normally happens and coming up with a plan you know with that uh... Christian brother to to be accountable to uh you know, having someone who's going to pray with him, having someone who's going to ask him the hard questions uh, as to whether he's fallen and needs to repent. Uh, without that, you know, it's it's so easy to just, you know, wish we could do better but not put any any real steps in place, you know, to turn away from our sin. And, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, flee, so we need to think about, you know, how, what that means. You know, maybe it means uh, it, it's pretty impractical to think you can get rid of your computer, but, you know, maybe if you're that addicted, maybe you need to really think about, you know, going offline for a month or two months to break the habits. Uh, maybe you need to have a plan that when you're feeling tempted, you're going to get out of the house, you're going to go for a walk, Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul said this is something that's related to your body, and your body belongs to the Lord, so do something healthy, you know, like taking a walk uh, and talking to the Lord about this sin in your life. So I would encourage accountability that involves a plan for how you're going to deal with the temptations as they arise, and Uh, And a reporting, you know, an honest and open reporting to that brother that leads to, you know, real, genuine repentance before God uh, on a regular basis, acknowledging that this is sin and that it's abhorrent to God and that it needs repentance before him on a regular basis.
0: That word is so important and it is so uncommon in Christian vocabulary today. Repentance is... Um, with grief for and hatred of our sin, turning from it unto God uh, with full purpose of uh, a new obedience. And, and it's also understanding that God is a merciful God and receives us. Uh, the Apostle Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10 speaks about a godly grief Uh, producing a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Worldly grief is essentially being grieved because you've gotten caught. Godly grief means you know that God God frowns upon what you do. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, and also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what what indignation, that is, you're you're angry with yourself, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment? At every point you've proved yourselves innocent in the matter. And that language, we'll, we'll be dealing with it as we go through the program, demonstrating by our lives what our faith commitment really is. Um, Pastor, Gerber, Pastor Gerber made a comment. Uh, will, people will say, well, well, watching pornography doesn't hurt anyone else that is another one of the devil's lies first it hurts you it hurts you because you indulge in those lusts that don't please the Lord and don't help you and we are to love our neighbors as ourselves there's a legitimate self-love if you're married it hurts your wife because the Apostle Paul made clear that that our, our intimacies are to be given to our spouse. He says he says the uh, the, the man uh, the man doesn't have a right over his own body, but his wife does, and the wife doesn't have a right over her own body, but the husband does. It means our most intimate affections are to be for a wife or a husband. Uh, so it hurts the wife, and men will fantasize; they'll actually be thinking of another person when they're loving their wives if they're indulging in, in pornography. It hurts because when you look at another person, a man looking at a woman and lusting after her, uh, that hurts because he treats her as an object to satisfy his own gratification rather than as someone made in the image of God. And his studies are increasingly showing pornography does lead to hurting other people because you can only stay so long indulging your mind eventually that is going to impact your dealings with other people. So, I, Pastor Gerber, did you want to add anything? I know you've heard that excuse many times, too. Did you want
2: to add anything? I do. You know, it, I, I wondered about our uh, inquirer. You know, he comments how his wife died six years ago, how he's tried online dating. It's almost as if the pornography has really gotten in the way of being able to build real relationships with women, you know, he, you have all the fantasizing about them and on, on ways, gets in the way of building genuine relationships. And that's what he needs to be doing. He needs to be out there in the world, not in the world, but he needs to be out, uh, out where he's going to be able to be with other people, uh, you know, specifically looking for a godly, you know, companion and wife. And, um, yeah, the pornography really has short-circuited that, I believe, in his life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your point two, you just you just can't say no to the pornography. Uh, there is was a famous sermon that was done by a man named Thomas Chalmers, a Scottish preacher of the nineteenth century, and it's called "The Expulsive Power of a New Affection." <laughs> what a title mm-hmm. for a sermon! And he his text is, "Don't love the world." neither the things that are in the world, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he makes the, the profound point that you don't just say no to sin, or in this case the world system that opposes the Lord. You have to have a superior affection. You've got to you've got to love God more. And in marriage you, you love your wife more. Than the temporary pleasures, quote unquote, that might come from trysting with a with a prostitute or having one night stands or something, I, I remember the old. <laughs> it's not. It wasn't really. My I don't know that he's a Christian or not. But Paul Newman, uh, the the very famous and very good looking actor, the late actor. Um, who was was uh, fawned over by by women, and was very good looking, and he was very faithful to his wife and had a wonderful marriage. And he was asked how he essentially kept himself pure, and he said, "Well, when you when you have prime steak at home, you don't go out for hamburger." <laughs> you know, we can laugh at that, but but that's so true. The point is, is he wouldn't want to abandon or give up the love of for his wife um, for that. But we're talking about someone obviously hurting who's was unmarried, and there, uh, as Pastor Gerber had said. Has said um, you, you've got to develop healthy relationships and accountability. Let me just add this before our before our break. Um, I was someone mentioned to me this this couple weeks ago in, in a lunch meeting, uh, a young man and and uh, inquiring about the Christian faith and wrestling with issues, which I appreciated. Um, and he, he he mentioned in there that sexual sin is is like any other sin. And, and what he was wanting to say that I appreciated is don't look down upon people who are are, are guilty of, of practicing, whether it be heterosexual or homosexual sin, and to that I certainly agree completely. But the Bible does put sexual sin in a particular category uh, when Paul says every other sin a person commits is without the person. Um, but but sexual sin, fornication is within. It affects something in our inmost being uh, that, that is not affected by alcohol or, or by drugs or something else. I've called sexual intimacy the holy of holies of, of human relationships. And and there's a reason for that, which we'll get to toward the end of the program. Um, but but the fact of the matter is this is a real battle. Uh, the book's uh, Every Man's Battle, uh, the book Every Man's Battle is right in dealing with pornography. We're all in this together, men. Make the distinction, though, between whether it's reigning, dominating sin, that is, you just give into it and are enslaved to it, or remaining, indwelling sin, remaining indwelling sin is, is is uh jesus is is your is your master he's your Lord, but the world and the flesh and the devil are like snipers that are shooting at you uh, that's different than being under the tyrant of the devil. You have to make that distinction um so that's important we'll come back to that a bit later and as pastor Gerber said so so rightly, you must be accountable to others so that uh, you you can help keep yourself pure in these things. Our live call-in number, if you'd like to call in with your question as we're dealing with some hard questions about sin, grace, and salvation, 631-955-5400. Or if you'd like to text your questions for any future program, any future open forum, 516-367-0391. We'll be back with our open forum, some hard questions about sin, grace, and salvation after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's
1: study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest, and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information For information, check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again. ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. This is our
0: Open Forum program, some hard questions about sin, grace, and salvation. Our line's open if you'd like to call with a question, 631-955-5400, or you can text your questions any time during the week uh, for our future programs or for this one, 516-367-0391. Our questioner from a troubled professing Christian from the Midwest, let's do the second part of his question, and before our break at the middle of the hour we'll uh, begin dealing with this. Hebrews 6 Four through six, am I lost without redemption? According to this in the Bible, as He deals with with sin, whether it's be reigning, dominating, or remaining indwelling. Let's read Hebrews six and verses four through six. They are very challenging texts and trouble many people when they hear them. Um, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. It doesn't say fallen into sin. And then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up in contempt. This this is a scary text. And let's just begin dealing with this. Let me give some thoughts on it. Turn it over to Pastor Gerber before our break at the middle of the hour. We need to esteem highly what the ministry of the Word of God in the church is, what we commonly call the means of grace, the means God uses, the Lord Jesus Christ uses for the building of his kingdom, and the means the Holy Spirit normally uses For the salvation of the Lord's people. And when the means of grace are administered, the Word of God preached, uh, the prayers of the saints, the the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and the fellowship of the saints, which is what the church is, what happens in, in in that in that environment? Well there's enlightenment. People come to know something of the light of the world. They, they at least learn of him, and the entrance of the word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Have tasted the heavenly gift. Uh, the heavenly gift is Christ. He, he is the gift by which salvation comes, and people get a little taste of what it is that, that this Jesus is the God-man, that he delivers us from our sins, that we have all things in him, the heavenly gift. And have shared in the Holy Spirit, there are what we call the common operations of the Holy Spirit. There is a conviction of sin. people have a, a a love a love for truth at least for a time, and they they uh, they want to follow the Lord Jesus and so the all that is by the Holy Spirit's work, no doubt, and this is even have shared in the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are people like Saul in the Old Testament who the Spirit worked in him, and he used. He used his gifts, but but Saul gave no evidence of being a genuine believer, and this is sobering to hear this, and and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God. People hear the Word of God preached. They hear people ministering it to one another. Uh, they, they They pray it and use the Word of God. They say, this is so good that God has spoken to us. And the powers of the age to come, when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings what the Bible calls an earnest or a down payment of eternity and the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We ought to see in the Lord's people and in his churches, people get a little foretaste of, of heaven, the powers of the age to come. That really happens. And then they've fallen away. That means not that they've fallen into sin, but we struggle with sin all of the time. They've fallen away from the gospel because the book of Hebrews is about Christians in Rome, many of them believing Jews, who because persecution is coming are wanting to turn away from the faith. And so that's very important to keep in mind. We'll develop that as the time goes on. We're talking about turning away from the gospel. Pastor Gerber, um, you want to add some things to that
2: Yes, you know, I, I you're right on target that it's turning away from the gospel because the the next clause, you know, to restore them again to repentance, you know, really says that what the issue is here is not sin in and of itself, but it's that they have sinned so much and so long and have become so hardened to it that they're no longer repenting. And you know, so they indeed have fallen away from the gospel when there's no longer a repentance for sin um, then you know they have they've, they've turned away from Christ you know they have ceased you know to really hear his gospel call in their hearts to be to be trusting him to be repenting of their sin so yes it's a uh, it's this falling away you know so people need to hear that that it, this is this is not directed at those who Stumble again and again, but who are moved to repent and uh, to continue to trust in the work of Christ on the cross. It's directed at those who have moved beyond repentance.
0: Yeah, and um, we should add the phrase that's here. That's that's even scarier, if we could put it that way. Since they are are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt these are people who still in some way or another are professing to be christians and yet they are despising the very sacrifice by which their sins can be forgiven as pastor gerber said there's no repentance there that that is called a a crucifying once again the son of god to their own harm and and holding him up to contempt christ is to be revered because he he is the one who saves us from our sins, so it it, it really is apostasy from the gospel, as it's put that, that's given here. I didn't know, Pastor Gerb. We've got a few seconds left. If you wanted to add something before our break,
2: Uh not at this point. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, yeah, you're going to get the big one.
0: Yeah. So please, when you read the book of he, very important to keep context in mind. Um, what what's what's the what's the big message of the book, and and the big message in the book of Hebrews is not the battle with sin, as it is in Romans chapter 6, for example, uh, but rather it's the people turning away from the gospel when when they're threatened for it. There was going to be persecution in Rome for the gospel, and, and especially those who were Jews who professed faith in Christ, were tempted to go back to a religion that was legal at the time, rather than stay with this despised group that was illegal, the Christian church. So that, that's the context. Live call in number 631-955-5400. If you'd like to call on number four text questions, 516-367-0391. And if you'd like to email me, visit PastorBill at gmail.com. But now a message from those bringing you today's visit to the pastor's study.
1: It's not enough to listen to pastors on the radio or to watch them on television. Everyone needs a biblically faithful pastor, and everyone needs a biblically faithful church. A visit to the Pastors Study is a ministry of the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in the metropolitan New York area. We're no substitute for a faithful pastor in a local church, but we are a supplement. Visit our website, www.visitthepastorsstudy.org, and you'll find the ministry of this program Extended right to your electronic device. Here you'll find archives of past programs, a weekly message from Pastor Bill's Pastors Post, helps for pastors, helps for congregation members, material for officer training, and much more. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. And we also invite you to contact the host of this program, Pastor Bill Shishko. You can email him at visitpastorbill@gmail.com. at gmail.com. He'd love to hear from you so that he can bring his pastoral ministry to you personally. That's visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. And now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study.
0: Pastor Bill Shishko here with you with my co-pastor, Pastor Pastor Richard Gerber of Harvest Orthodox Presbyterian Church in East Haddon, Connecticut, about which we will hear more in a few minutes. We're uh, having our monthly open forum, and uh, we are fielding a lengthy question that includes this. When, When does God blot you out of the book of life? Let me read the texts and I'm going to give this one to a man of even more pastoral experience than I have. But um, there are a number of references, actually, to, to the Book of Life in the Scriptures or the Lord's Book. Uh, two that come to mind is Exodus 32:33. The Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. And then Revelation 3, 5 uh, the one who conquers, this is to the to the church at Sardis, which was part of Asia Minor, part of modern-day Turkey. Uh, the one who conquers will be clothed in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Pastor Gerber, our troubled listener, says, um, What does it mean to be, when does God block you out of the book of life? Talk to us.
2: This is one of those things in the Bible that requires, I think, some very careful thought, because it's easy to get the wrong idea. You know, even there in Exodus 32, where God is speaking to Moses, it's it's important to think of the context. The people of Israel have made a golden calf. Uh, Moses, they have sinned, a great sin, Moses says in verse 30. And then Moses says, now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written, but the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. So the context is Moses' offer to be willing to be blotted out of the book on behalf of the people, as if somehow he can make atonement for them. Even his words, you know, I will make atonement, you know, for them. Uh, I, you know, I, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. You know, Moses, it seems, is is... is getting beyond himself here. You know, it's God who atones, and God reminds him, you know, that he can't give himself in exchange for the people. There's another whose job that is, you know, the Lord Jesus, and you know, the Lord Jesus is going to give you know, his life on the cross as an atonement for his people, but Moses can't do that. You know, people have to take the responsibility for their own sin, and then, you um, Uh, turn in repentance faith to the Savior for that. So it's not as if uh, God is just sort of out of the blue saying that he's going to, that that whoever sins is going to be blotted out of his book. As if somehow every sin, uh, you know, holds the threat over our head of being blotted out of the book of life. Yeah, there's plenty of other places in the Bible that talk about sin and the need to repent and to turn to God and how God is ready to hear us and to forgive our sins, so it's not as if God is holding a threat over our head uh, that that if we sin, you know, we're going to get blotted out of, of the Book of Life. We're going to lose our salvation somehow. Yeah. In fact, in, in Revelation, you know, the next reference to it in Revelation ties uh, in a very clear way, you know, the being blotted out of the Book of Life to uh, in a much more positive sense. In Revelation 13:8 it says all who dwell on the earth will worship the beast, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. Who's who's going to worship the beast? Who's going to worship someone other than God? Well, it's those who are not in the book of life. So it, it seems as if, you know, and, and there we're told that the our names are written there before the foundation of the world. You know, our names are written on the basis of, of God's electing love. Um, and when our names are in the book of life, you know, then you know we do a walk in obedience to the Lord. The Revelation three passage is is really a word of assurance that when we continue to the end, our lives are not, uh, our names are not taken out of the book of life. And so our names being in the Book of Life, you know, being there from the foundation of the world by God's electing love, is, is really an assurance to us that we're going to persevere, you know, that God is going to continue to work in our lives, you know, bringing us to a salvation in Christ that, is, that, that cannot uh, be taken away from us. So rather than being a threat yeah, uh, you know, we never hear in the Bible of God actually blotting somebody out of the book of life. There are just these references. It's knowing that our names are in the book of life is is a promise—a uh, promise that God will continue, you know, to do His work in us and bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus.
0: Yeah, I just let me just make a kind of a, a big picture note here. This, listeners, is why it is so important. That your pastor know, understand, believe, and and preach from the Bible as the Word of God. You can take passages out of context. The devil did that so easily. So to take the Exodus thirty two thirty three text, whoever sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. That means none of us would 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 be in the book of life. But before that, Moses says, "Take my name out," as Pastor Gerber said. Uh, but but Moses also had sinned. He can't be a sacrifice for sins. You're, we'll find out in just a few minutes. There was a name blotted out of God's book of life, and that's how we can have life. But back to the to the question: What about Revelation three five? Um, uh, the one who conquers, or, or whoever sinned against me, I will blot on my book. But but the one who who, who conquers will be clothed in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life you could look at that theoretically i guess but but here's here's the way i would approach it as a pastor first of all rule out what it doesn't mean okay you take clearer portions of the scriptures and and it it clearly doesn't mean that god is changing his mind regarding his election of his people from before the foundation of the world you read about that in, in ephesians 1 he chose us in him from the foundation of the world and those whom he chose will will not be lost Jesus will see of the work that he's done on the cross, and he will be satisfied. Not one will be lost. Or as Pastor Gerber mentioned, uh the, the language later in Revelation, written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So this doesn't mean God's changed his mind regarding the election of his people. Not doesn't mean this either, that our sins are somehow so great that in some way We thwart God's power to save us, or we exhaust his patience. And remember what Jesus said, clearer text, John 10 and verses 27 to 29, my sheep hear my voice. Are you listening to the voice of Christ by his word when it tells you to repent of your sin? And Jesus said, and I know them, and they follow me. That's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand this is the language of an adversary who would try to do it but couldn't do it he says my father who has given them to me that's election is greater than all are our sins greater than god himself of course not and no one has the ability, no one has the power, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. What a glorious comfort that is. Our salvation is grounded in God, First Peter one five. By God's power, his people are kept through faith, always looking to Christ for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last day. Uh, so you've got to rule. It doesn't mean our sins are so great. We can somehow thwart God's power to save us or exhaust his patience and and, and 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 listeners, you can't lose your salvation Romans eight and verses twenty eight and following are so powerful in that regard those whom he justified, he declared righteous, people have turned from sin and death believed in Jesus, they receive him, they rest upon him alone for their salvation, and they are declared righteous. Their sins are forgiven. The righteousness of Christ is reckoned to them only because of the righteousness of Christ and received by faith alone. Those whom he justified, it doesn't say some, he also glorified, it's as those he also glorified, those who are saved by God's grace and justified and adopted. They're all going to be glorified. And before I go any any further, Pastor Gerber, you want to add to what the text doesn't mean, speaking about blotting names out of the book of life?
2: Well, it doesn't mean that we lose our salvation. You know, it, it, uh, you know, it certainly... You know, just because Roman or Revelation 3, you know, talks about that possibility, I don't think that we need to, to say that indeed, you know, that's what God is going to do. The rest of the Bible makes it very clear, those who are truly His, those whose names are there in the Book of Life, you know, they're, they're not going to be blotted out. Um, it's a reminder, certainly, that, that we can be outside uh, of God and that if that's where we are that that's what our life is demonstrating that we need to hear the call of the gospel to repent and to believe uh that we might have life everlasting and so it it's a warning to us but it's not um it's not something that we need to worry about as Christians
0: yeah yeah let, let me again build on what pastor gerber mentioned before when he talked about the context in Exodus 32, look at the context of this uh, statement in, in, in Revelation 3, 5 being blotted out of the book of life. Uh, look at the whole passage, Revelation 3, 1 to 6. You have a name, he says to the church in Sardis, you have a reputation For being alive, that's that's what the Lord's people are supposed to be alive in Christ, and churches are supposed to be churches made up of 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 living stones because they're they're in union with the living God through Jesus. Body says to to the people in Sardis, the church, to the church in Sardis, you're dead. In other words, there's a profession of faith in Christ but not apparently a possession of the life in Christ, or at least it doesn't seem that way unless they repent. Now, let me put it on our parlance today. It would be like saying you're on the membership role of the church, or your church is registered someplace as a church. You're part of the visible church, Jesus acknowledges that he speaks about loosing things on earth, in other words, opening up the kingdom to heaven to people on earth and in a very difficult text we 'll deal with in one of the weeks to come but but he 's saying he 's acknowledging the fact that on the ch- in the world there are those who come to faith in christ they 're regarded officially as part of the visible church, and of course jesus in in Revelation 3, is walking among the lampstands. He's walking among the churches. And he says, unless you wake up, verse 2, and he says, remember what you've received and heard. Keep it. Do it. And Again, as Pastor Gerber emphasized, repent. We're called to turn from our sin. The gravitational pull of the sun to the earth is always keeping it in in, in orbit, and the call to repentance is always keeping us in orbit. It's a call to true faith and repentance. Now, what Jesus is saying, and, and, and unless you want to regard this as hypothetical, he's saying, I will do from heaven what the church does very imperfectly on earth— If people won't listen, people will not repent, Jesus teaches this. There must eventually be excommunication. And if you want to learn more of what that means, our program in the archives on the power of the gospel to restore prodigal sons deals with that. Well, Jesus is saying here, I will declare that despite your profession of faith, individual believers in this having a name but dead church in Sardis, I'll, I'll declare that despite your profession of faith, you don't possess the faith that works by love. And there will be in the day of judgment that 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 discerning. I think the scariest words in the New Testament are from Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's the evidence that we're the Lord's true children. And incidentally, God's will here is God's word. Like Jesus, we live out of every word that precedes out of the mouth of God. And then Jesus says, on that day, the last day—this is scary—many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These were people who said, Lord, Lord, according to the, if you will, the role of the church in the visible church. These are Christians. But Jesus says, your life didn't show it. There was no evidence of it. There was not a genuine work of grace in you, and therefore depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What does that mean for you? Examine yourself, whether you truly be in Christ. Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. Self-examination. We need examinations of not only body, but of soul. Now there was another question that our our listener asked about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to do that one next week on our open forum, but Pastor Gerber, I want to give you about a a minute or so. Tell us a little bit about your work in East Haddam, Connecticut.
2: Harvest Church is a newer congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. We're still a mission work. Uh, We meet for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at uh, Nathan Hale Ray High School, in East Haddam. Uh, we have a handicapped accessible space there, so we're we'll glad to welcome everyone you know, to our worship service. We're seeking to make Christ known here in this community and in surrounding communities. Uh, we've, God has been gathering a, a small but zealous you know, group of people who are anxious to see Christ made known you know, in this part of Connecticut.
0: And give us your contact information or Harvest Church's contact information so people can contact you if they'd like.
2: Sure. Uh, my, by text or phone, by voice, uh, you know, 860-759-4080, or you can reach me simply at Dick Gerber, D-I-C-K-G-E-R-B-E-R, at me, M-E, dot com.
0: Give us your phone number one more time, Pastor Gerber.
2: 860 860- 7594080.:
0: Thanks for being my co-pastor on today's visit to the pastor's study. This, this brings us to the time that we call counsel from the visit to the pastor's study. We're dealing today with hard questions about sin, grace and salvation. I appreciate the heartbreaking question from our listener. Uh, Christian faith is what? It's honesty with God. It's honesty with yourself. It's honesty with the world in which we live, and it's honesty with Jesus Christ. And what enables us to be honest as our standard is that the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is the Word of God, and, and it it is our great canon. It is our great rule for looking at everything. Sin. Sin is unavoidable. From conception, it attaches to us. In sin, David said, did my mother conceive me? It attached to him from his conception. And then, then we become, we not only practice it, but we, come, we become victims of it. We, we commit it, and sin will brings, bring us into bondage. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, especially sexual sins, because of the way we're made. You see, the intimacy of sexual relations are a mirror of the intimacy of Christ's intimacy with his church. This is a great mystery, is marriage and the marriage union. But I speak, Paul says, because of Christ and the church and that intimacy of marriage that has its culmination in sexual relations is is a human reflection of the joy and the union and the satisfaction and the delight that comes by a faith union with Jesus Christ. What does grace do? Grace comes to us as applied by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. Grace, the Holy Spirit convicts you. He makes you realize your your sin and your misery and your complete helplessness. And he shows you Jesus Christ by his word, which is why his word is so important. See, the word of God... Uh, Tells you something about Jesus on every page. Jesus opened up in Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms all the things concerning himself. Jesus calls you by his word he's calling you now by his word he calls you all the time by his word and in time when god's grace is at work your heart is changed it's softened it's melted you turn away from your sin and your self righteousness and there's repentance turning away from sin and and death and self righteousness that's a gift of grace and then you believe in jesus as your savior and your lord he, you know he's God and he's a man. He identifies with you and he's a prophet who teaches you and he's the priest who died for you and prays for you. He's your king. It's a package deal, what God has joined together. Don't let man separate. You come to Christ, and he breaks the power of reigning sin. You're rescued in salvation. And then big words that we'll deal with in weeks ahead. You're justified. You're declared righteous by faith alone in Christ alone. You're adopted in Christ. You're a son in the Son. You're a child of God, and you're sanctified. You're holy in Jesus, and you're made holy by the Spirit who brings Jesus to you. Isn't it interesting that the Bible speaks of the Spirit in you and Christ in you? See, it's not so much you receiving Jesus as he receiving you. He takes you to be his wife, and you take him in response. It's a marriage. The Christian life is a marriage. You're one with him. There's union with Christ. He's your husband. He's your head. You submit to him. You love him. You obey him. You follow him. And what's the evidence Well, that he's one with you. He is your husband, and neither you nor he turns away. There's no divorce in the economy of redemption. Where else can we go, you say? You have the words of eternal life. What about remaining indwelling sin? I have a lawyer. Jesus is your advocate. As far as the east is from the west, so far he can remove your sins from you. Why? He points to the cross. He shows this to his father and says, I died for him or her. Fear of being blotted out of the book of life. Ah, Jesus was in your place. He was blotted out of the book of life. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's no double punishment in God's justice. He has taken that away from you by taking it himself. And it makes you always, always look to Jesus. What's the Christian life? Not fear, but faith. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk the evidence of it. they don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let me ask you, does that describe you? My thanks to Pastor Richard Gerber, Pastor of Harvest, Orthodox Presbyterian Church in East Haddon, Connecticut. Look for the signs for the church. You'll see them there his number eight six zero seven five nine four zero eight zero. Thanks to him for being my co-pastor today. Check out the archives of Past Visit to the Pastor's Study programs on sermonaudio.com. Just search a visit to the pastor's study or go to our own website, visit the org. It's all one word. Visit the org. and especially look for other open forums. I appreciate your feedback and I appreciate your questions. You can email me, visit pastorbill at gmail.com Visit PastorBill at gmail.com, or you can call me on my study. You'll get my electronic secretary, but she'll get the message to me, 516-593-1507. Hey, tomorrow's the Lord's Day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that's faithful to the Word of God. And remember, everyone needs a pastor.
1: You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.